Hello and welcome to a special regular, regular special episode of Asteroids in Exile. I'm Martin and Nif will be joining me in a few moments. But first, I want to introduce you to this episode's special guest. If you participate in the monthly ritual, that is pre-ordering comics via the previous catalog, and you look beyond the featured publisher section, you might be familiar with his name. He's the artist on Action Labs, Spencer and Locke. Written by David Peppos, colored by Jason Smith, lettered by Colin Bell, and drawn by our guest, Jorge Santiago Jr. We talk about his process, the, inc- the intricacies of storytelling, future plans, as well as comics we liked or did not like. And strangely, of all people, Win Diesel, Matt Damon, and Josh Brolin. <laughs> I hope you have as much fun listening to this part of our two-part interview as we had recording it, and I bid my farewell until the end credits. Alright, okay. so one of the, maybe like a, a good sort of place to go next then is just to sort of to talk about what you're looking forward to, you know, what you'd like to work on and sort of sort of more future type stuff. Um, okay. So is there anything that, that you're super excited about coming up, whether it's, I mean, could be anything really? Like uh, that, I w- that I'd like to work on or like... Uh, yeah, let's or, start with what you'd like to work on, I think. Like, I, I, I'm a, I want to, I want to be like... So one of my favorite comic artists is, and I'll I'll do what I've been doing all night, and I'll, I'll answer your question with a long with like a long story about somebody else. But yeah, like one sure. Of, <laughs> one of my favorite comic book artists is um is a Stuart Eminen, and part of the reason I love Stuart Eminen is because like the, there's literally not a thing that about like there's nothing that he couldn't draw. And make a mm-hmm. story about like there, there, it's it, it's impossible. Like I'm willing to bet he could take like a story about clowns and it would be like the most beautiful drawn and like story to like because his sense of storytelling is is immaculate. And like I go like I I've I've had portfolio reviews from him before too, and like I I I always try to keep in mind like the things he told me mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm designing things out. So um, like I want to be like Stuart Eminem where I can do anything or draw any story, but also like what I love about him too, is that he's, he's a style chameleon, you know, he's not like, Oh, here's my like really uh, realistic style that I draw everything in. And I have Mm -hmm. no range. Like, uh, like I remember reading next wave and next wave was such like a big departure from his like Avengers work at the time. The Mm -hmm. like next wave is so fresh. And like to this day, it's still like a, it's a it's a joy to read, and like uh, I guess like for me, like I'm I don't want to be tied down to any one, uh, like type of work because like I know it's super easy for, and especially with like uh like the way that people's attention spans are, and like that goes for me too. But like sometimes it can be easy to just sort of relegate like a an artist or a writer or a, or like a director to like oh. It's the person who does blank. You know, like I, I was doing it earlier. I was like, oh, Fincher, he's the dude who makes movies that make you feel uncomfortable. Like, yeah. And but like with with Stuart Eminem, like he's almost like impossible to define that way because he can do anything and he does have a lot of range. So like um, like even though like I want people to read Spencer and Locke and like the comics that I do for myself, like uh, Curse of the Eel and Requiem Sonata, like I want people to like read them and love them, but like in five years, I want to be drawing 
new stuff. Like I, I'm already sort of thinking about like the George phase two, like story stuff that I want to work on, like my personal work as far as like, uh, as far as like professional things, like my hope is that, cause like right now my, my day job is uh, I do graphic design for a, a company here in, in Georgia. My hope is that one is that one day, even though like I love my, my day job, like they're, they're cool people and I get paid well. So like, I'm not like, mm-hmm. I can, I can do comics and I can do it in like enough capacity that I don't feel like I'm like, I'm, I'm losing time. But at the same time, I have enough money that I can start doing more conventions. But like my 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 goal is to do comics full time. So I'm hoping that like in five years, I can at least have that kind of avenue going. And like, I, I don't know, I want to wow people. I want to do I want to do all sorts of stuff. Like I, I have been asked, like, oh, like if you could work on like an established franchise, like, you know, what, like, what, like, what, what's your dream project? Cause like a lot of my, like one of my professors who was, um, Sean Crystal at, uh, like he, he's the, he's currently working on like mother panic for DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he was always talking about like, Oh, like these are the characters that like I, when as a kid, I was reading these books. And so these are the ones that like, if I could work on it, th- that would be a dream come true. You know, like, I feel like Chris Somney, like ha- like every book that he works on is like his dream come true. And he's like, oh, I'm going to work on the Rocketeer because I love it. I'm going to work on uh, Daredevil because I love it. Um, yeah. For me, because uh, a lot of my comics, um, like at least like my conscious like comics uh, development was when I was reading manga. Since that stuff is so like character or not, uh, excuse me, like creator specific. Like, uh, for example, like the guy who draws um, Naruto, for example, like he's the only person who draws Naruto. Like that's that's his thing. So like for me, it's kind of hard to think about like what established franchise I could work on, which is kind of weird, especially when you consider that like that's the majority of the American comic book industry is like established franchises. Like if I can't. No, excuse me. Like if I can't think of. Like if if I don't really have like uh of an invested interest in like like I mean like I love Spider Man but I don't know if I'd be a good fit drawing Spider Man necessarily either. There, there's definitely like there there are writers that I would love to work with. Like I guess it wouldn't matter like what we were working on, but like uh, like Rick Remender is one of my favorite writers. Like if uh if if I woke up tomorrow and Rick Remender was like, hey George, I saw your work and I really want to work with you. We're gonna do a like I I want to pitch a comic to um archie we're gonna do the comic about jughead's dog hot dog we're gonna bring hot dog (laughs) back and we're gonna make it like we're gonna make it gritty and and awesome and like yeah like i would be like yes mr remender let's make it so (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um although like i guess i would like to i don't know i think i I might be a good fit like on an archie book like those ones are coming out and they have more of like a realistic look Mm -hmm. to it and it was interesting. Somebody compared my art style to uh, to Fiona Staples, like really? specifically her her Archie work, and um, that was that was very interesting to me because like I like Fiona Staples, but like I wouldn't consider her like one of my influences. So it's interesting that like that people would read it as Fiona Staples, like inspired kind of thing. Like th- that is like sort of the fun thing about Spencer and Locke right now is that. Even though I shouldn't be doing it, I find myself like every time like I get linked to uh, a review, I'm I'm seeing what people are saying, 
Like, I, I know I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't care. It's just that, like, and not because, like, um, what's it called? Not because, like, what people, like, what fans are saying isn't important. But, like, mm-hmm. when, I, when I was in school, you know, like, my professors were always very, like, look, you got to get a thick skin. Like, because you can't just, like, you can't just sit at home and start crying if somebody doesn't like your work. It's, for me right now, it's such, like, a new thing to have people commenting, like, on a at least like in the comic book news uh, setting um, just because like, like uh, when, whenever I sell a comic to somebody, it's always like at a convention or it's when like cool people like Martin are like, Hey, I want to buy some of your books. And like, I send them to them. So getting to see like, you know, th- what people are saying about my book, like on news sites is very different. And so I'm I'm sort of relishing in it, but I'm also just like I'm just waiting because like I know there's going to come the point where someone links me to a thing like here's my review on Spencer and Locke, and then I go and read it and like it just says in capital letters like George should chop his hands off like oh man wonderful internet reviewers right yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I've been on the yeah I I've looked at YouTube comments like it's mm-hmm. got there, there's going to be a point where someone like someone's going to like someone's going to let me know that they think I suck. And it's just like, man, oh, I, I need I need to like steal my heart ahead of time because I, I can be kind of uh, like I can be very emotional about yeah. stuff. I mean, I I cried during during Logan. It's a movie about stabbing people in the face with your like with your <laughs> claws and getting to see the gooey like insides. I still cried during it. Yeah, but I guess like I could just like yeah, um, uh, like I, I know they announced Scarlet Spider recently, and. I know like it's it's gonna be Ben Riley this time. Like when I was a kid, I always thought Ben Riley was cooler than Spider-Man. Yeah, right. Me too. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't just the hoodie. It was because like he he was like, Oh, I'm gonna build my web shooters to have cooler stuff in it, like the little um like the little pellets that would like encase things into like a ball of webbing. Yeah. Or he had like the little um little daggers that would fly out that would paralyze people. Yeah. You know, like he he was like a cooler Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man was just, especially during the Clone Saga, like, I remember I had a few of those books and I read, like, ones here and there. But, like, Peter Parker was just such a pain in the butt back in those days. Like, he was just so like, oh, am I a clone or not? I'm so (laughs) sad. Whereas, like, Ben Riley was just like, you know, I could be a clone. But, but, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a lot. So, I'm going to try to be the best dude that I can possibly be. And... Like and then when he was Spider Man for a while, like he had like the much cooler costume, like that, mm-hmm. like the the blue and red number yeah. that eventually they gave to May Parker. And I was like, man, Ben Riley is so cool, but like I guess they're bringing him back now. I don't know how I feel about it, especially because like did, when he died, didn't he like turn into ashes and blow away in the wind? Like, how is he even back? Like I don't understand. But I, don't I think know. it has something to do with the. Uh... The current clone clone conspiracy, I think it was called. Oh, uh, they they he's been cloned again. Yeah, yeah, he's a clone of a clone of a clone. Oh, uh, it just see. It, so it's it just, it's yeah, it's not the original. It's another copy. Oh, uh, it's another. It, it just it seems like <laughs> like considering how much people didn't like the clone saga, why would they go and do like the clone saga again? Like they're like, okay, we didn't get it last time. Let's do it again. Like, but we think we, we think a- we got it this time though. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't know. It's hate, yeah, hate it, by. Yeah. It, instead, we'll do it. Yeah. And like, I was looking through like the first couple of 
uh, like the the release pages of it and like reading up like because like I'm I'm not current at all. I'm not even close to current. Like I sort of gave up on Spider-Man after uh, the Spider-Verse one. Yeah, because like it was it was almost like incoherent at a lot of points. So I tried like catching up on Scar, like just to see like what it was. And I was just very like, man, I don't I don't get why this exists. I, I love I loved Ben Riley as a kid, but like I'm not I'm not necessarily like, oh man, like I don't know how many people are like really excited that like Ben Riley oh Ben Riley is back. Well, not really. I mean, he was I guess the villain in the clone conspiracy thing. And he I don't was, know. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then like it, and then like I was thinking like because he he was he's the jackal, but I was like, wait, didn't he like wasn't Spider Island the jackal too? Like what wasn't he the one? Like, yeah, he was like, fill it. Like, everyone was getting spider powers. I, like, I could have sworn that was the jackal because he was like green for some reason. I haven't read Spider Island. Yeah, you're I, not mid. No, I. You're, 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 sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I just, I just lent, uh, I just got lent some issues uh, of, of the clone conspiracy because I wanted to check them out. And I learned how 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 out of touch I am with with current Spider-Man comics because uh, Peter Parker is uh, running Parker Industries at this point, <laughs> and he's he like, yeah, he's like Iron Man 3.0. Oh, yeah, all over the place. Like, and like, I'm, so I'm I'm all for characters growing because like I, I find that a lot of the times and like Matt Fraction said this in a in an interview and like I so I feel like I can say it because Matt Fraction said it but um <laughs> he he said that uh that a lot of times in comic books they're having to tell perpetual second act stories mm-hmm. like to because like they they can't write something wholesale that's going to change forever Peter Parker I mean like the last time they tried to do that was when Peter Parker was Doc Ock and like that lasted like what two years, and then now yeah. he's back. Like I remember they had an issue. It was like the fifth issue, and it was like, oh, Doc Ock goes and definitely deleted like Peter's soul from his like body. Like I remember that. Yeah. But now he's back again by 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 however what like Peter Parker cannot be killed. He is like a he's like a cockroach after mm-hmm. the after the apocalypse. Cockroaches and Peter Parker will be all that's left. Um, and Jean Grey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jean Grey. Oh. <laughs> oh, like, even like in all new X-Men, like I start, I tried reading that. And, yeah, I, I don't know. This will get into like pseudo rant thing. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like ruin you guys podcast, but like, man, I hated, like I read like 15 issues of that book and in the end, nothing happened. It was so yeah. frustrating. Like in the end, like no character, like no characters gained anything. No characters lost anything. All of the like problems that were raised in the book just sort of go away. Like no, yeah. nothing is ever addressed. And it's just like, and uh, hey, ne- next day. Ugh. And, and then the fact that I, I, I read it across 15 $4 issues, like just even more infuriated me. I was like, mm-hmm. how much money have I spent on this book with beautiful Stuart Eminent artwork? Like and seeing like all of these like these awesome fight scenes that he was doing, but then like knowing that it didn't really amount to anything. To anything, yeah. And then having like even like the characters are like insufferable. Like, like I don't know. At one point, do they just like keep letting Jean Grey like out of the compound? Because it felt like every time she met somebody in that fifteen issue run, she would just like straight up attack them. 
with no provocation, she would just be like, okay, I'm going to snoop into your mind. Okay. I've read all of your thoughts. Now I know yeah. that you are a horrible person. So I'm going to attack you. Like, did, wasn't there like a scene where she just like attacks the Scarlet Witch because she found out about like the, uh, the no more mutants thing. Yes. Yeah. She's yeah. Like, you, yeah. She's like, you killed the mutants. It's like, well, I technically didn't I mean nobody died. And also they're back now. So what's the problem? And she still like attacks them. And like, that's after like this scene where they're flying around in the blackbird doing who knows what. And then Thor like knocks them out of the sky with a hurricane, like with a tornado. And like, they, they come out and they're like, Hey, what? Like captain America just calmly questions them. Like, Hey, were you at the scene of this bank robbery? It's like, is that how, is that how the Avengers like pull over? Like people that they need to question, <laughs> they knock them out of the sky with a tornado, and then they're like, "Hey, were you at this place? I don't think it was you, because uh, <laughs> and like it, it just seemed like everyone in the in the book was really dumb. Like, oh, yeah. the, like like Mystique and Sabretooth and like the um, like that lady who can make illusions. Like they had staged a bunch of elaborate bank robberies that made it look like the original X Men did it, except that like. Once they left, there was no laser bolts. There, there was no, no, yeah. nobody. Yeah, there, there was no feathers at the scene. There was no like there was no ice. There were people that had been ripped up and killed. But any for like I, like I'm not a forensics genius, but like I'm pretty sure somebody could be like, huh, these are five claws. And yeah. they look like they're like they were on fingers. This wasn't the work of a dude with switchblades in his arms. And like the, so the Avengers are like, hmm, we better investigate. I know let's knock their plane out of the air and then ask them questions stupidly and then yeah. let them like attack the most dangerous person in the world. The witch who can barely control her powers half the time. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is good. And then in the end, like they get, I guess they get absolved of their crime, like or of this supposed crime, but like, just cause like, Oh look, we caught them here. We, we found, we found them. There's not like a, Oh, we're sorry. We accused you or like a, Oh, okay. Well maybe this will make people think better of mutants. It's like, no, it just it just goes on. Yeah, you're not doing much for mutant relations, right there. Yeah, and 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 yeah. like especially like because Mystique's plan was so dumb anyway. I know I'm gonna steal enough money to buy an island, like <laughs> like especially like because like she she pretends to be Pepper Potts, like and then she like I guess she presumably steals a lot of money from Iron Man. Like why would you do that? And then go and buy like Madripoor of all things. Like it's not a cool island. Like I mean, <laughs> like I guess like oh, there's a lot of crime on it. Like it's like an investment. It's like but no one will know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's, it's like why wouldn't you just take that money and just like move to like anywhere not Madripoor and then just yeah. be like be like all right, well you know what we live in this giant mansion. We order pizza so nobody comes and sees us and no, like we're cool. Yeah. Like, it's it's always just like oh we gotta we gotta do crime so we can keep on doing crime it's like yeah. that's not how criminals work any any person who does a crime like unless they unless they're like sociopathic like they do it because they enjoy it like for the thrill they're probably gonna they probably have an end game and if yeah. you're if, if the end game is like oh cool i'm gonna buy evil loss i'm gonna buy this like evil island filled with more evil people it's like yeah they're gonna listen to you yeah, I mean, even James Bond villains have more coherent plans. Yeah, and and it's, right. it's, it's yeah, and and but at least like with a James Bond movie, you pay like your your ten dollars and you watch it once, and you're like, okay, that was it. But like with with all new X Men, like I was paying like four dollars like 
sometimes twice a month in order to read this book. They're like, yeah, yeah it was just like, oh, uh, like, and I guess, I mean, to your point, at least with the James Bond movie, you get an end to the story, you know, whereas yeah. Yeah, with, there, there's some, yeah, yeah, there's some type of resolution as mm-hmm. opposed to just like in this one, it's just like, oh, and then the next day Cyclops and, and, uh, I was about to call him Beast Boy, but uh, like <laughs> an Iceman, like they, they go to a, like a Ren Fair or something and they meet some girls like, oh boy, this is so good. So good. Like, I don't know. It, it just like, it just felt like there wasn't a whole lot like behind that. Because I mean, I understand the premise like, oh, how, what would you do if you met like your younger version mm-hmm. and they were just so disappointed in you? Like that, like that's a cool idea. Like, and the, like, I think like yeah. the first like couple of issues of that, where that was like the premise was still really cool. But then like Scott meets his, like his younger version and mm-hmm. he instantly feels all the stuff that he's supposed to feel. And yep. then immediately doesn't care. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. He was like, who he's like, who would do this? Who would put this younger version of me? It, are they trying to make me think that like of all the bad stuff I've done? I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm still gonna keep doing bad stuff. Like there, there's no like retribution for me as a character, at least not at this point. I'm also still wearing this goofy like, what, what, like what, what even is that 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 hat, that thing that he's wearing? Like with the X across the face, like the X visor. I don't even know how that works visually. Like how does he see out of that thing? <laughs> yeah, like, and like, but how does it work? Because like the, the thing too is like when they like when they draw it, they show that like the parts of the mask like are like it's um. Cause I guess like the way his like old visor worked is like, it's not like a, it, it, I guess like he would press a button in his glove or on the side of the visor and mm-hmm. the thing, the, the lens would like slide up like a, like a, like a camera aperture and it would let him blast stuff. But like, how does that work with like the, the, the X shaped like hunk of glass on his face? Yeah. It, Cause like, like he, he's not like, it, you're not seeing the X like f- slide up his forehead in order for him to blast things, because if he did, that would be hilarious. And then I would keep <laughs> reading the book. You'd have but, X shaped um, blasts everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And that, that too, like he just shoots regular blasts. He doesn't shoot like, like, it's not like there's like X shaped blasts in the walls, mm-hmm. which would be kind of, which would be kind of cool. Like, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Like, he was already throwing around like X gang signs and stuff. Like there's that <laughs> scene where he breaks that one dude out of like, out of jail for like, Oh, for the crime of helping someone. He was like, oh, this girl was dead and now she's not anymore. And they're like, we're taking you to custody. It's like, what? Why would you do that? I've done nothing. It's like, well, because the plot demands it. And then <laughs> and then like Cyclops bursts in and he's shooting lasers. It's like, these are these are cops. Like, I know that they're detaining someone against their will, but like it's not like they were beating him up. It's not like they were doing anything wrong. I mean, aside from just that. And like the cops are allowed to detain you for up to 24 hours without charging you and then they have to let you go or else you can sue them. So at mm-hmm. least like, like you, you have that, but then Cyclops bursts in blasting everything. And then he flashes this like ridiculous, like X gang sign at the, <laughs> at the camera. He's like, he's like, watch anyone who steal anyone who kidnaps a uh, mutant will have to answer to me. Thug life. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and, and especially because like, more so than ever before the x-men just seem like what like why do people hate the x-men or like why do people hate mutants people love the thing the thing can walk down the street and like 
like mm-hmm. and like fart and do whatever. And people are like, oh, look, it's the thing. Yeah, he got his powers from cosmic radiation. Here's yeah. a dude who was born with wings. Let's throw rocks at him. Yeah, like, it, <laughs> named it Angel. Makes, like, yeah, yeah. It, it makes it makes zero sense, especially when like even as a kid, like I never understood like why people hated the mutants. And even if you hated them, like. Why would you throw rocks at him? Like this dude has the power to turn like co- normal playing cards into bombs. This dude has knives that slide slide in and out of his hands. This dude or like this lady over here can control the weather. Why would you why would you make them mad? I get I get cuz you're scared, but you know what? Like if I saw a bear, I wouldn't start throwing rocks at it. Like get out of my get out of my city, you dirty bear, cuz guess what? The bear is going to attack me. Especially if you're like afraid of it, like, like you know, people are thinking like, oh, the mutants are a threat. It's like, well, then why are you throwing rocks at them? Like, like I, I understand, like they were sort of yeah. like a, like an allegory for like racism, mm-hmm. but but at the same time, like it doesn't really fit when like I don't know, people think Spider Man's pretty cool. Like you don't see, like I mean, aside from like J. Jonah Jameson, like everyone's pretty cool with Spider Man. Like nobody questions yeah. like Spider Man a mutant. Well, if he is, then I have to hate him now because the plot demands it. Yeah, that, yeah I think that was a storyline at one point in the Spider-Man comics. Yeah, I think um, they talked about that in uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man All comics. Right. Yeah, even in the Ultimate, yeah. Yeah, because like they weren't sure if he was a if he was a clone or not. Like, I, and I guess I, I will I will be fair and I will say that like I think Ultimate Spider-Man is like a really strong piece of work. Especially where it went to, like with Miles Morales. Like, yes. I think Miles, like, um, as much as I was, like, sort of being like, man, I don't like all new X Men because it's written by Brian Michael Bendis. Like, mm-hmm. I do think that his work on uh, the Miles Morales Spider Man stuff, I do think that that is like, that, that's, that's great stuff. Yep. Yeah. The well, Miles Morales, um, yeah. Like, it, the origin it, story it, and the it, way that it, all came together is great. Yeah. Okay. Like, so there you go. I, th- th- that's a comic that I would like to work on. Is the Miles mm-hmm. Morales because, like, especially being s- someone who is like of mixed heritage, like sort of like mm-hmm. Miles, like it's not like M- Miles is more like cleanly split. He's like half Hispanic, half black. Me, I'm like I'm half Hispanic, and then like my mom is from Louisiana, so it just it's very it's very like unclear on like right. what <laughs> genetic makeup is. But like I remember reading. Uh, what's it called? Ultimate Spider-Man with Miles Morales, and like even though like Bendis has like his um his like decompressed style of storytelling, like mm-hmm. when it's centered around like a family, the way that that story was, like I felt yeah. like yeah, I was like this is good. This is a way to tell the story and have it matter and tell it slowly because like you know this is a kid growing up and this is this is his family and he d- he doesn't want them to hate him. He wants them mm-hmm. to be proud of him, and he got bitten by a spider. Boy, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, like th- that's good stuff. Like, I don't know. I just didn't care for all new X Men just because it felt like it, it. It felt really sort. I don't know. It, it was like eating a pixie stick. It's like, oh, okay, is that it? Yeah. Like, the premise, like, like you said, was a really good setup. Like, I like the idea of bringing the the original five back to confront what they are now, but what they did with it was yeah it just kind of got really weird and didn't really do what it needed to do i think in the story so yeah but then the x-men yeah. have this really um this really strange situation as a as a franchise because the leitmotif the the the, the motto under which it was published was uh, don't give 20th century fox any ideas for for future movies 
So they yeah, and that's that whole layer as well, right? Yeah, yeah. All the internal politics around the internal X-Men politics. Thank you. Whether yeah. or not Marvel's trying to uh, trying to stifle the brand while while uh, while Fox owns the movie rights. Yeah, but they yeah, get. We're, we're, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, they get points for uh, um, establishing an illusion of of progress and and, and good ideas, and then mm. letting the boat sink. Yeah, and it, it's such a shame too, because like, I mean, I mean, it wasn't the whole reason that like Fox got the rights is because Marvel was going bankrupt. Yeah. So they yeah. sold. It's like super cheap. It's like mm-hmm. I understand. Like, Fox technically saved you guys. Like, yeah. you know, what, why why are you being like, oh, thank you, person who came came from the like from this like neighboring town and saved our village. We're now yeah. gonna feed you like we're gonna give you like poisoned yams from our field for you to eat and like. I mean, we're going to yeah, dump like, all our raw sewage into, into the river before <laughs> it goes downstream to you, you know? Yeah. It's like, it, it's such, it's such like a weird, like, like bite the hand that fed you or like, yeah. Kind of like situation. And like, I, I understand it's like, it's competition, but like, I don't know at the same time to like, to, to stifle like a whole, like a whole arm of your, your create of like your, your storytelling Hydra. Well, I guess I should have said <laughs> like neck of your storytelling Hydra. Like it's, it's such like a, it's it seems like such a poor business model especially because now like i guess they're trying to i don't know if they're trying to be more proactive about making like mutant stuff again because i mean like especially like uh during that time when they were being like really stifling like i mean that's when i i came back into american comics and that's when i was reading like the the rick remender like uncanny x-force run and like that that was that was um, great comics yeah, like it, like in terms of everything, like the writing, the coloring, the drawing, like it was like that was the book that I was like, whoa, man, like that that brought me back, uh, in a in a hard way back to American comics after being away for like a long time. Because I remember I was I was hanging out with a friend and he was like, oh, we're gonna go to the comic shop so I can pick some stuff up, and I was like, okay, I'm leaving for Georgia in a few in a few months. I should read and see like I need to catch up and see like what American comics are doing. And so I bought the um, they had the first three issues of Uncanny X Force in like one book, and I picked it up because I liked the the art in it because it was like ooh I was like ooh this is so realistic okay cool I'll take this, and then like I, I spent like the next couple of like weeks just being like again like I was I've been dragged into like a a weird like addiction I was like I need to get the fourth issue but nobody has it and I'm not paying a hundred dollars to read it so having to wait for like the first um, like hardcover to come out. And then I read it and that ending of the first arc, like it, it did exactly what I didn't think it was going to do. And that's why I love Rick Remender. That dude, he knows how to like subvert expectations and he yeah. knows how to do something that will make you like go, oh, uh, OK, all right. I guess this is how the story goes. And he he turned Deadpool into like the emotional center. Yes. Of the comic like I thought that would like that. That's my favorite part, because I always thought Deadpool was a joke. But like after after reading that, that was like the first time I ever read like a comic where Deadpool he he cracked jokes, but there was like a reason for it, and he was a character who had like some real heart to it, especially like at the end of the comic where he's. Talking I just wanted to, to mention that, yeah, Young Apocalypse, yeah, Evan, yeah, and he, he tells him he's, he's like, oh, like you know, you're my hero, Deadpool, and he's just like, dude, no one's ever called. Me. I was like, oh, again, like, and also like, yeah, I love I love Evan. 
like Kid Kid Apocalypse is like he's or I guess he's Genesis. Yeah, I don't know what they've done with him since then because it's been a while since I read any X Men books. But like, I I I really loved his because it's another like he's another character who's conflicted. Like I have this burning desire to be evil, but I don't want to do that because yeah. I was raised to be like pseudo Superman. Like a like and I was like, oh, this is such like a cool like dichotomy of this character like this um this uh this dilemma of like like na- he's literally nature versus nurture which is like yeah. a lot of like what apocalypse was about i was like oh this is so cool i don't know if they ever like um or like what they've done with him since then but yeah i don't know i i'd like to work on a genesis book too just because like i bet he'd be really fun to draw i'm gonna try drawing him right now yeah, I think if he would fit your style. And that's something I wanted to mention earlier because you uh you said uh something about uh something about different styles and I think you're already um I don't want to say stretching out but you're 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 showing a lot of a lot of your passion and your your talent because you have rare drops which is more on the on the funny manga side of things but still has has heart to it and requiem sonata which is this really serious uh rather serious mm-hmm. thing and and curse of the eel which is um an occult uh high school uh, uh story and you're working on, on on spencer and Locke, which is uh basically uh what would happen if frank miller would have come up with with calvin and Hobbes, and the range to uh, surf all those those genres is uh, is is fantastic, and it, and it really shows that you're you're uh, all in on everything you do. Oh, thank you. you know, like um, I guess like the so the, the reason I came up with with rare drops was because um at the time I was only working on Curse of the Eel and uh, Requiem Sonata, uh, because like those were the books that were helping me like learn how to draw comics for myself again after school. Yeah. And um, Spencer and Locke hadn't been green lit yet, so I wasn't working on it. Um, but I found myself like I was getting too depressed because I was writing this this horror comic. I mean, it's not a sad comic necessarily, but it's a comic uh, like Curse of the Eel for I guess for people who don't know is a um, I've got it on Tapastic and on Tumblr and Smack Jeeves if you like it. But um it's a comic about this goth girl who is bullied at school. And um, one day when she's like hiding from her tormentors, she like goes into this uh, abandoned house thinking that they won't go in there. And she ends up accidentally summoning this Cthulhu like eel creature. But instead of it being like Cthulhu where he would like devour the souls of man and drive people mad with a, with, but a glance, he's this like soft spoken, like well-mannered, like a, uh, have you, have you guys ever seen uh, the IT crowd? Yeah. The, 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 when in my mind, the way that uh, Richmond talks in the IT crowd, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, uh, I've, I've dropped my milky lens. Go to help me find it. Like that's how the eel talks in my <laughs> mind. Like it's 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 Noel Fielding, but like with a like with a weird voice. And so, um, between working on that and then Requiem Sonata, which is about a detective trying to solve like a uh the the death of a close friend of hers who was a who was a a musician like i was finding myself like because i i i in order to draw something i have to drop into it like i can't just sort of like passively draw anything like i need to if i'm gonna especially like if i need to convey that a character is sad like i need to put myself in their shoes and like that's a very 
like it's easy for me to do, but it's also can be, it can be kind of emotionally taxing. Yeah. And so like, I found myself just being depressed a lot of the time and I was like, Oh, it's because all I'm doing is drawing sad stories. I'm drawing stories about bullying and like somebody or like, and then a, like this murder mystery where, or like a, uh, like where this person died and it's like, Oh, it's questionable. Like how their, the quality of their life was before they, before they died. Like, I need to find something fun to draw. So I made rare drops because I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll make, and plus I was looking at like when I do conventions, like my table was just like, oh, here's this book. It's scary. Here's this book. It's depressing. Like there was no fun on my table. Like unless, unless you, unless you like your, the Fincher crowd, like you like being sad, but um, <laughs> you didn't so, want that to be your thing, right? <laughs> yeah, no, like uh, I, I, I want to, cause like, um, and my professors are always telling me like, oh, George, you're so funny. How come your your com how come your comics don't have any humor in it? And I think it's just because like I I gravitate towards drama more because like I like it. I think it's um like it to do like a joke in a comic is um a lot of it is like it's it's based on how I draw it. Like it's very uh, like visual based and timing based. Whereas like with a mystery or with like a horror thing, like it's like playing a like a sonata versus like playing a song like a song is like two minutes you can get it done and over with but like if like i need to have like an orchestra going and i'm like okay and here's where i'll have like the um, like it's like with curse of the eel it's like okay i'll establish the villain in the first issue but i won't show who his face is and i'll be like leading into like right now in curse of the eel i'm doing um i'm doing the story of how uh connie who is the the goth girl who's bullied and her bully first met and why they hate each other. And so it's the, it's like, I'm getting to play around with some of like the things that like I've been laying in since like the very beginning of the comic, like some of the dialogue that happens where it's like, where Rachel said something where she was like, Oh, like you're like, you don't even remember, but this, like the reason, the reason we hate each other is because you started it. And Connie has no idea. She doesn't remember this at all. So like, it's like I'm finally getting to go and sort of tell their story like from from like this like perspective of and that's the cool thing too about putting Curse of the Eel online is that like it's really popular on Tapastic. It's got like over two thousand readers. Oh, nice. Which um for me, that's a lot. Like I know for on that website, like there's people who have like, oh, I've got a hundred thousand readers, but considering that I, I had no prior experience with Tapastic before, um I went on there and my first comic has that even that many, like after a year, like I'm, I'm beyond uh, happy and it's cool reading people's reactions to the story. Like as it goes on, because people like they already have their minds made up about certain characters, like the bully, for example, like they, they, they hate her. And so my, my goal is to maybe show that like, maybe this person, maybe there's a reason this person is this way. Like maybe, maybe this is like, this isn't something that they they're doing because they enjoy it, but maybe they're also in pain. And I feel like it's sort of like in, um, like in a symphony, like, uh, I, I was reading up on, or like, I, I like listening to classical music, but also like studying it. But, um, like a lot of times in symphonies, they'll be like, they'll establish the theme of the song very early on. And then no matter like where the song goes, they'll end up sort of roping that original theme back into it just to sort of like not let you go too far like remind you that this is still the same piece mm -hmm. it's um 
it, it's it's very similar to like making like movies or comics too in a way is that like if i was to uh change the art style of like um in, in a book and not and not have like a contextual or it, i guess like a, in spencer and Locke, for example because it is like uh where frank miller meets calvin and hobbs um so for the the flashback scenes where uh where Locke is a child we we decided to go with having the art be uh, in a Calvin and Hobbes esque uh, art style because it, it felt it felt important like we 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 didn't want it to be lost on people that like you know th- this is the source where like we where we were getting our inspiration from but also we wanted those scenes to feel a little different so like when you see those even though like they're um, thematically they're still part of the same story. Uh, like it's there there is like a commonality like a common theme that sort of runs through the book so every time you see those you know you know exactly what's happening and then when the scene ends you're brought back into like the regular comic and so like have like having getting the chance to tell a story across like multiple issues and multiple chapters and like um you know, sort of like like weave, weaving a tapestry and then it's one of those things like you know you can't really tell how well you did until the end until you finished and then you look and you go, oh, oh, man, I left a big old hole right there in the middle. Nuts. I'll just have to. Oh, man, I hope no one notices. Like, uh, like there's a lot of stuff in Eel where I'm like, oh, man, I hope nobody notices that I didn't think this out as well as I should have. But like, I'm hoping that when, and when people read it more so than like trying to figure out where my plot holes are, I hope that that people connect to the characters and that they they enjoy seeing them on the page and like i think so far based on the feedback people really people seem it seems to be working if if i can make people hate a character that's good because like i, I wanted i wanted them to hate the bully like i didn't want them to enjoy the bully at all but that's just because like i knew i wanted to like humanize the bully later on and maybe by the end of the book maybe you'll cry for them like with their progression and i'm like yeah the, the, that's the ultimate test and um like and with with rare drops, it's a bit different because like uh, rare drops was sort of it, I engineered it to be uh, like a a mental break between stories or because like I I don't work on one one book like uh, wholesale like except for Spencer and Locke like once we got a green lit I was pretty much doing it all the time although I did spend some like I was doing like Wednesday through Friday was Spencer and Locke. And then weekends was Curse of the Eel. I did do that a few times. So like in the in the months where I was working on Spencer and Locke, I was also like quietly producing like other comics too, because I'm a psycho. But um with rare drops, it's meant to like every issue is self-contained. It's it's not meant to be like a, a thing where, oh, you have to check every uh every issue out in order to have like in order to understand what's happening. I tried to make it clear with every book like who they are what they're doing what the like point of it is and have each one be like its own like little adventure and so with rare drops i don't get the chance to play around with the like the long form storytelling as much like i still want to do it but it's 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 harder to implement it when i know that okay i'm working on this book very sporadically and when one comes out it's going to be like a a short story essentially with these goofy characters each time. So it's, uh, it's it, it, like, it is, uh, like tonally, they are very different, but even like structurally it's, um, it, it's different, it's different working on, on rare drops. 
but I, I love it. I, I've actually, um, I, I've got an idea for like a, because uh, for the first time I'm going to be doing like a uh, signings and stuff at uh, a comic book shop for free comic book day. Oh, amazing. Cool. Yeah. Like I've, like I've never, cause like uh, I've, it, it never made sense for me to do it because like I'm, even though like I've been doing comics for so long and I've been self publishing them, like me having a spot at a, at a comic book shop when like, I don't have like a name, then it's like, Oh, well, why would they, you know, like, I, I guess like I just never really tried just cause mm-hmm. I was like, eh, I'll go to free comic book day, but I'm not going to like insist on having a, a space, but this time I will, I'm going to be a doctor. Yeah. No free comic book day. And like part of me went like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to come up with a short, like eight page rare drop story. And I'm, because like in free comic book day, like it's, um, so like I, and I know like a lot of kids go like rare drops is a story. Like it's, it's a comic world that I want kids to enjoy. And I was thinking, Oh, if I could make like an eight page story, like I could print that at home and I could take that and I could just give them out and then have like the other books there if people want to buy them. But like, um, just cause like, I imagine that most artists, when they go to these events, like they don't have like a free comic to give away. Like they're sort of there to do like, I, I guess like free sketches or, they're just signed books like which is cool but like in terms of like making like generating like a uh like some content specifically for that day i think like comic artists don't really get the chance to do something like that and like so i i want to i want to try it because like to like because uh i think comics are limitless like um it, it just, like it as much as like it does seem like they are limited in like what you can put down on paper i think that comics are their own unique medium like separate from movies separate from animation even though i've spent a lot of time comparing them but like the things that make comics unique i think are really special and there's a lot of there's a lot of material to mine there and so i want to spend like at least my my entire like lifetime sort of exploring those those depths and then coming back and being like hey guys look what i found i found this weird like i found this weird way to do a comic where uh you read it and then you twist the book around as you read it and then the problem is like how do you find a way to in- integrate that into other stuff yeah like the the whole the caverns the the trick of that book it's kind of like it's not really repeatable too much but i did i did the other day think of a, of a story where i could use that to my advantage again and i was like oh perfect so yeah i forgot the question i'm sorry <laughs> No, I, I think did. we forgot the question. I did. <laughs> I, I did. I did too. But yeah, comics are limitless. It's like with with modern video games versus old video games. Where in uh, old video games, the the, the 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 cartridge told a a a dot matrix what to uh, what to display. Uh, nowadays, you have to load textures and polygons, and every the the process is is the process is much more complicated than it was before and uh, much of the work of the of the consumer that the consumer has to do to uh, fill in blanks and stuff uh, has been uh, releg- uh, delegated back to the to the creator while in in comic books you you still have to think and you still have to engage with the with the medium to fill in fill in the blanks and then make the whole story move for oneself yeah. yeah, you're yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Like, um, I was watching this uh, this uh, documentary, and like, ha- have you heard of it, uh, Martin? It's called a uh, Monben. I I heard about it, but I haven't seen it. Okay, um, I guess for for those who don't know, uh, Mon- 
Manben is a uh, it's a documentary series in Japan where um and the reason I the reason I brought you up Martin is because I know you were reading like Master Keaton yeah. uh, Naoki Urasawa who was uh, the uh, I think he was the I don't know if he was the writer on it but I know he definitely did the art for Master Keaton and he did uh, he wrote like 20th Century Boys yeah. Monster yeah uh, he's uh, co-writing Master Keaton I think with 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 someone else yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wasn't sure because like I've seen them and I, I, I have I've been meaning to get them, but I haven't read one yet, so I didn't want to like attribute it all to him. But um, yeah, so it, it's good that yeah, so he he's the artist on that. But um, he's been doing comics for a long time, and so he decided to do a a series where he finds artists like other manga artists in Japan, and then he um he installs like cameras and stuff in their, in their studio. And then he films them for like a week, like their working process as they work on projects. And it's like, it's really cool because like, I like as like, as a person who likes to draw, I love watching people draw. Like it, it is like, mm -hmm. sometimes like I'll put that on and like watch it on my iPad while I'm working because like, it's, it's really cool to watch how other artists breathe life into their comics and um the reason i brought it up is there was a uh they were talking to uh and i'm gonna i hope i don't get her name wrong but it was uh uh i think it's akiko uh higashimura she's the artist on jelly jellyfish or princess jellyfish mm -hmm. and like and other works um and she was talking about how in one of the things that stands out like in manga that's really that's really important is that like she can draw like a whole page and then only do one background because like to her once once the viewer has seen it once they they can fill it in in their minds into the negative space so the only time she really needs to draw it again is when like the scene has changed or if like or if something in the environment has changed that is that like is drawing focus or if she's using it using the background to um to draw like, oh, draw your eye towards this thing here. Like if somebody's peeking in through a window, then she'll like, you know, she'll draw on the window and stuff like that. Like, I right. think that um, you're right. Like comics are even though like, yeah, with video games, even though video games are way more like they're very they're definitely way more polished now. Like, I think like just immersion wise, it's way it, at least for me, it, it's easier for me to fall into a comic book just because like there is like that creative um like the 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 mental like hurdles that you need to go through in order to make this world make sense like mm -hmm. it's a little bit more engaging whereas like in in games like they're very um like i remember playing like legend of zelda and see like even though it was like 8 bit like i saw things way more detailed yeah. in my mind like the the sword slashes were like oh it's like it, i was yeah it like it it drove my little imagination crazy and yeah. so um and that's why, like, now, like, when I was like, oh, I need to come up with a fun comic to draw, I'll rope it back to Rare Drops. I was like, oh, well, what did I enjoy as a kid? I love Legend of Zelda, but my favorite part about it was not playing the game, was after playing it, I would I would get up, I would go outside, and I would find my own adventures, mm -hmm. like, pretending I was Link, and, like, I had my own, like, sword, and yeah. I was like, yeah. And so I wanted to, like, sort of capture some of that magic, and then maybe, like, package it up for like the kids of the future. And so like, I'm always happy when like a kid picks up rare, rare drops and then they, they like it. Cause it's, I've definitely heard from a few people. Like they've sent me uh, like emails like, Oh, my kids love rare drops. And I, I try not to cry. Yeah. Like, uh, it's I'm, I'm really bad about it. Like I, 
I was most recently at a South Carolina Comic Con in um, Greenville, and there was a this girl came up to me and she was like, "Oh, hey, I read your book. I, I read Curse of the Eel online. I really love it. I want you to, I, I want to commission you to draw one of your characters from the story." And I, I about cried like at the table, because wow. like, like that that's never happened to me. Well, no, it happened to me last year at SPX. And I, I cried then too. I was like sitting there just like trying to contain myself, but like, I did have like a good, like, um, <laughs> like, Oh, people like it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hope that, I hope that that never, that never leaves. I, I want to hear forever that like people are really digging stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just like you were saying with rare drops as well, if you can inspire kids and the next generation to have that sense of adventure and to have that, sense of you know being able to be moved by a story it sounds like you know that's that's the effect that you're going for yeah because yeah because like I, I want my comics to like the stories i tell i want them to matter like that that's sort of like the 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 dangerous territory i think that we get into when it comes to like the constantly telling second act stories like mm-hmm. i mean in 10 years is anyone going to remember parker industries yeah you know like it like, are people going to remember that, like, for for a hot minute, Doc Ock was in the body of Spider-Man or that the yeah. original five X-Men were, like, f- whisked away into the future? And, and uh, it had no effect. <laughs> yeah. And then and then nothing happened. Like, and they're yeah. still here. It's like it, that's the weird part is it's like, wait, oh, you guys are still here. Like, oh, uh, uh, OK. But, um, yeah. you know, are, are, but are people I mean, like, there's so many people who are still still so fond of like the golden age and silver age of comics like even like like comparatively like there was there, there was so much like the works of jack kirby and like the works of like uh, like these 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 like these uh titans of the industry that sort of birthed comic books for <laughs> us like their work was not like is oh it, it's 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 just like what martin was saying like about video games where, like back then there was still so much space for the reader to fill in with their own imagination. And I think that's yeah. why people remember them more. Like nowadays when you go and you read a comic, like there's so much, like there's so much happening on that page that like, sometimes like it's hard for me to read. Like I, I've, I've legit, like there's a book that I, I wanted to read like really badly. And like, I'm, I don't want to, well, I, uh, I like it was, um, it was a uh, Tokyo ghost. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I was like, Oh sweet. Like I love Remender and I love Murphy. Like it's time to read it. But like, there was so much stuff going on on the pages that like I, I got ill like when I was yeah. reading it and it's like, I, it's not that like, it's not that the book is bad like at all. It's just that like, it just didn't agree with me. Whereas like, you know, I, I love a book like deadly class more because deadly class has like, there's more room to breathe. You know, like it, like when, when there, when there needs to be something like there's something a lot yeah. of the time, like, Oh, here's a color like to, to fill in the spot. Whereas like, um, because like Murphy loves to render stuff like that, he like, that's his thing. And like, I can look at it divorced from its panels and stuff like, and be like, wow, look at this amazing drawing. Look at this, like sci like this beautiful sci-fi background that he's drawn. But like when I see it in a, in, in a, in the context of a comic, like it's too many things happening at once. And like, it activates like my motion sickness. Yeah, like yeah. when, whenever I try playing games in VR, if the game is too detailed, I get ill. Like it's, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if that happens to anyone else, but me, but like, that's something like for, for comics. Like, I don't want to, 
I, I want it to be something where like, oh, you know, it's and I think that's sort of the um even like in, in manga, like they have like really detailed backgrounds a lot of the time, but I think that um manga knows when to like let the art breathe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that adds to like part of the reason why people fall into manga so easily is just that it's very immersive, like the way the story is told. Yeah. And uh, the way they like they they let like sometimes panels will just like have no character in it or it'll have like a character, but they're really small. Like it's not this like insistence on, OK, I have to draw them as big as possible in every frame. Like 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 sometimes like the, the quietest moments in a, in a manga are like the ones that hit you like the hardest. And uh, like I, I, and I learned that more from reading like um, the con- like the titles that are like for older readers. I mean, like even like, I mean, Naruto and Dragon Ball and stuff like that stuff is well and good. But like um, when I started reading like the like like comics for like shoujo comics, like the comics that are for girls or the comics that are for women, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, like I think Not Simple is in it was in a it was published in an anthology for alternative comics. So it's like their indie comics type thing. And like the way that they handled the art in that, like um, if like I'll try to send some some panels of it or some pages of it like with, with like when i send you uh some like some of my artwork yeah. just so like i don't know if you want to put it up but like uh the openness of some of the panels or like there's a scene in it where um this dude leaves because he's like okay i have to go find out what happened to my sister i'm gonna go and talk to her to her boyfriend and so this writer guy that he this this brother is talking to he's like okay um you go and you find out about your sister and you come back and uh, we'll talk. And so mm-hmm. if this was like any other comic, it would be like the next panel would be the dude came back and then like they're they're reconvening in this comic. There's like three to five pages. I can't remember like exactly, but um, of just like this writer guy walking around his apartment waiting. Mm-hmm. And there's like and, and it's not like, oh, it's like a bunch of like one panel pages. It's like there's five to seven panels on a page. And like each one is like, it's the guy just like looking at the clock, like anxiously waiting. And like, that's like, that's, that's such like beautiful use of space because like as the reader, we're waiting with him. We're trying Mm -hmm. to, we want to find out what happened to this dude and this dude's sister too. And so like when, when the dude finally comes back, like it's, it's like, it's so emotional and like the way they handle it. Like I want to, I want to bring that into into my comics like um and like just like to play around with the like experiment with like the space just because i know that like when it comes to like especially with curse of the eel because i i print these myself Mm -hmm. and like i i'm i have no editor so i do i do things the way i want to do them if i want to have like an issue where like nobody where it's just silent i'm gonna do it because i know that i need to get that practice in because i like if uh, like, let's say I work on something for Marvel, like they're probably not going to let me do that whenever I want to. Or like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, like, the, the but like when they do it, it's amazing. Like, I remember the um, the offsets. I'm sorry, the, the offset issues at Marvel. Oh, you said I uh, you remember. And I thought because Marvel had a, a bunch of silent issues in the late 90s. Oh, I, I would have missed those. Like, yeah, that, that was way uh, that was way before I started reading comic books again. Like I'll, I'll need to find those though. Cause like, I'd like to read like more silent stuff like that. But, um, the yeah. one I was thinking of was, uh, it was, it was the issue of Batman and Robin 
in the, it was like in the new 52 it was just after oh. uh, robin had been killed yeah he had i know what killed, you're talking about yeah yeah he'd been killed in like batman incorporated like in a grant morrison book and like so he went from being alive in one issue of batman and robin to the next one he was dead and so what like in order to sort of like show like this is a big deal like they they did the whole book of batman dealing with this but the book is silent and it's like it's him like it's him raging and freaking out like it was it was such like a cool moment and i was like man yeah this is good comics like like i like i wish i wish i could have like that kind of control over things like all of the time like if i want to do like a silent issue i want to be able to do it like ha here this is when it's yeah this is when it's perfect like i i almost have like i have no restraint at times which is probably a bad thing <laughs> but at, at the same time like i don't know like i, I have like a like D- david david always says the reason he he uh wanted to work with me was because my website said i create comics with, or because I, I put at the top i make comics with stupid amounts of passion and like that <laughs> stuck with him he was like oh okay this guy's probably a good person to work with, but like, um, like I, I, I like still to this, like, I think this holds true. I, I want to, like, I want to like, just like the Titans who created our comics industry and like the Titans who are working at it now. Like I want to, I want to leave comics like a, a richer, more like full place than when, like, than when I found it. And I'm not saying yeah. that it's bad. Like what I'm saying is that like, I want to be, uh, like I, I, I want to, I want to make my mark on comics, and I want to, mm-hmm. I want comic, you know, because there are a lot of writers and like stuff for people like, oh, like, like the time when Alan Moore started, like his like heyday of making comics, like you know, there are people who are still like feeling the effects of that in their in their work, or people who still read those books and hold them up as like the high watermark. Like I don't want to be this, um, like a uh, Frank or uh, Frank quietly said, like you know, you could be like a tribute act. Mm-hmm. you know or or you could you know and i'm tr- I, I it sucks because i brought him up and then i don't remember the rest of his quote but like i i don't want to be a tribute act i don't want to be known as like oh yeah george he's the dude who did a few issues of um i don't know like rocket raccoon does dallas or something like that and then that like that was it like i want to be known as like oh that guy he's the one who did the comic about like about this like weird thing and it it can made people cry like across the country. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. I want to, yeah. I want to make people who have never read my books before cry. Like that, that, that is my goal. I want to make a book that like, um, cause like I have a lot of ideas for things that aren't like, uh, actiony based. Like I have, I have a comic that, and I have no idea where this like thought came into my head, but I just, uh, there's a story I'm going to do like in phase two of like George doing comics, hopefully is, mm-hmm. uh, it's about a woman who is um, she she's she's expecting and then something awful happens and then she loses the child and her husband is like very distant. And so she ends up like because she had been planning her whole life around this or not her whole life, but like her she had been planning to become a mother. Now she's just filled with like this like this void of time and her husband's like he's not coming home. like when he should be because he's also distraught and so she tries to like do she she takes up like kickboxing because she thinks like okay well like i i need to get my life back together and Mm -hmm. so it's like it's a comic about people getting over a tragedy but finding like a sort of a new purpose in life through like that adversity and like i don't know where where my brain was 
like mentally mm-hmm. that made me think of that. But I'm really excited to do that because that's another like, yes, I'm going to do this book and I'm going to try to do it in an art style that's like like a bridge between rare drops and my normal style. Mm-hmm. Like something like um, when Catherine and Stuart Eminem did uh, moving pictures, like something like that, but like a little bit more kinetic. And then, um, but I want it to be like a story where like anybody could pick this up. Cause like my, my, my greatest goal is to, is to bring more people into comics. Cause I feel like most comics now, like they're sort of like very preaching to the choir. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you know, I like, um, like d- the, the diversity we're getting in comics is great, but still like my mom's not going to read an issue of, of, uh, Captain America, you know, like mm-hmm. I need to. Like my, my great, like my greatest plan, like I almost want to have like a billboard of this in my room is like, how can I get my mom to read this comic? Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I think the like, success. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like even in, in movies, like, you know, people will go see a Marvel movie. They'll go mm-hmm. see a DC movie. Like, you know, they'll, they'll go and watch these comic book movies, but they're not necessarily going to read the comics. And part of that is just because, like, um, like I, I heard this in a podcast, is that like, if you're doing Kickass, then you like, then it's different, or The Walking Dead, because people can find that. That's easy. Start at book one. But if you're like, oh, I really loved uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I want to buy the comic now. Well, well, first, like, where do you go? Okay, you go to Barnes and Noble because, like, th- that's where books are. But then there's like a hundred Guardians of the Galaxy books. Like, where do you begin? Like. Yeah. Yeah. And so like my, my hope is that like, while I do want to do like, I guess like the occasional like franchise work, like I do want to also like make a bunch of books that will like, um, bring more people into comics, maybe not even like as a, uh, like bring them to the Marvel DC camp, but like bring them to just like this, the, the richness of like storytelling. Cause uh, especially like here, like in America, like most people don't really see comics as like a, like a serious thing. I mean, like even, even animation is in the same boat. Like most of our cartoons here in America, like there, there, there's not been a cartoon that's been serious, like serious only that's been produced in America. Like you have car, you have cartoons that tackle serious issues, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like Steven universe and like uh, adventure time, like things like these, these cartoons that like, you know, they, they're very moving and they, and they, they move people and they're exciting and they're fun to watch. But like, um, when are like, but we don't have like the, the industry that like places like, like Japan or like, you know, where like, Oh, you, you can watch a cartoon in the, at, like at night. That is, uh, something serious that has nothing yeah. to do with robots or ninjas, you know, watch a story like, um, like your name, right. Yeah. It's just yeah. out now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like it's like we we um in America like our our sense of cartoons or comics and cartoons is very like oh well these are for children because it's yeah. never been like it hasn't really ever been elevated to that. I mean, even when you bring in like the more like adult themes in in comics, like it's still you know if I was like hey mom you should read this comic like this comic here is, is this like she's not gonna she's not gonna not gonna buy it. Because one, she she can't get into it, and two, it's probably superheroes, and she's not yeah. interested. But like, if if we can evolve the industry here to have more diversity, not just of like uh, characters specific diversity, but like diversity in genres, yeah, yeah, and it, it's crazy too because like back in the day, like you know, like superheroes was just a genre 
in like a multitude of, I mean, we had romance comics, horror comics, sci-fi comics, adventure comics. Like it's, it's, it's weird to think that even that back then the industry was a little more diverse. Yeah. Than mm-hmm. today. Yeah. And like, and Ed Brubaker talked about this. He said that like back in the day, like, you know, uh, there was a, there would be a time when romance comics would be big Yeah, and then it would fall out of fashion and then they would switch to horror comics and then horror comics would be big. And then like, it was like a cycle just like sort of going yeah. through the stories, but then they reached a point with superheroes, like superheroes became the big thing. But then when superheroes like fell out of fashion for a while, they weren't like, okay, let's switch to a different genre. They said, well, how can we do superheroes different? Yeah. And like the, like the famous quote is like, you know, that the definition of madness is doing the same thing and expecting different, different results. results yeah. 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 When it's like, I mean, and, and I understand like, Oh, okay. Well, like, well here we can make, we, we can make these characters more diverse and appeal to a, a wider range of people. It's like, yes, that is true. But my mom is still not going to read she Hulk. Like if you yeah. could do, if, <laughs> yeah. Like if you could put out a comic where like, maybe not stuff because like my mom loves watching movies and stuff. Like if, mm-hmm. if, if I could, if, if I could make a comic, that's like the stuff that my mom likes to watch, but it's a comic. Mm-hmm. I could probably get her to read it like that. that like that, that's not outside of the realm of possibility, you know, yeah. or at the very least, like, you know, if, and especially like, as if, if like Hollywood right now is very, um, it's, it's sort of closing in on itself too. Like there's a lot of re a lot of reboots, a lot of like stuff like that. But I mean, right now comics is like a rich, like it, it's a good field for them to be, looking into and like farming things. I mean, like what the first, the descender was optioned for a movie before a first issue was even like out. Yeah. That, that's, that's good news for our, for comics because like the more, like the more things like that, like, I mean, deadly classes, like it's being, uh, it was optioned for a TV show, you know, like there, there's a chance that that could be a thing, you know, like as more, as more and more like original idea comics become, I mean, the walking dead, for example. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a perfect example of like, oh, look, this thing that has no established thing becomes this huge TV show that everyone around the world is talking about. And then Outcast and like, if we can keep if we can keep that up, and we can keep like bringing like other comics like into the fold, and then you know like and have it be like you know a more diverse industry, like you know we could get it to where the point where like my mom walks into Walmart and she sees like an issue of, um, uh, I don't know. I'm losing like all of my my cred right now, like like Lumberjanes, for example, like let's say like Lumberjanes yeah. was adapted into like a, a movie or like a TV series. Um, like if that's something that my mom likes, well, maybe Lumberjanes is not a good example because it's very like it's meant for teenagers. But like if my mom likes it or I guess we'll use a teenager. My sister yes. walks. Yeah, she's seen Lumberjanes and then she sees the comic in Walmart. She'll pick it up. And see if she likes it. If she, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, if, if she, if she, if she, does, if she's not going to like it, then she won't read it. Like you, you know, yeah. you're not going to convince, you're not going to convince somebody who doesn't like Coke that they need to drink Coke. Yeah, but yeah. I think that and, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who've never even tried reading a comic because they they don't they don't see the point in it. But you yeah. know that they'll, that's a person that we could get. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a perception around it too in terms of what what it means to the general mainstream culture, right? So when comics took over, it sort of became this very sort of nerdy 
geeky sort of superhero-y thing. And a lot of people are just not into that. But what they don't realize, and I guess what you're trying to say is, you know, the medium still has so much of opportunity to be able to tell stories that can resonate. Um, and that's, that's what we want to be trying to do, right? Is we want to get people into it who might, you know, to sort of take away from the perception that it is only for teenage boys who want to read about superheroes. Yeah. And I mean, like it's, it's totally, it's totally doable. And, and it, it's so weird too, like the perception of comics here in America. I mean, like, and it, it was so obvious that women and girls wanted to re- and kids too, they wanted to mm-hmm. read comics back in the nineties, but like, there were so many barriers to entry for them as far as like, Oh, you go to these places. That's like a dungeon. And you go and these, these guys are like gatekeepers. They want to keep yeah. these people away from their, their perfect yeah. world. I mean, like that's, that's when in America, that's when manga really hit big over here was because like, it, it was like, you know, girls and women were finding comics and kids too. They were finding comics that were made for them. That were easy to find. There were they, you could get them at Barnes and Noble. You could like read through them. There was no like there was no elitist person keeping them away. But at the same time, these were books that like were more in their demographic, and they were something that they could. They, now there were comics for more people, and that's when like manga really exploded, like in that that two thousands bubble. I mean, like mm-hmm. it's since like sort of like I think like a lot of the people who were reading those have now moved on to like, I know a lot of people who read, who read manga that are now reading like superhero comics is like, okay, well I'm sort of done with manga. I'll see what's new in like the Marvel DC or like, I mean, saga is a great example of like, Oh, this book. Like, I don't, I know more women that read saga than men. Like saga at this point may as well be considered like uh, a comic book for women, which is surprising to me because like, it's so graphic. Like a lot of, Like, like saga grosses me out a lot of the time when I, like when I read it, I'm like, Oh man, like, I don't know. Like, but then like, I know, I know people like, especially women who are just like saga is the greatest comic ever. And I'm like, that is I'm like, I high five them. I'm like, that's awesome because this is a comic that, you know, you feel invested in and uh, these are characters that you love and you want to read. And like, maybe you weren't into comics before, but like this proves that like, yeah, the, this is a person who will read a book. Like, and we, we can get, we can get more people. I know we can, we can do it. We have the technology. Yeah. We just need to, <laughs> and we, we, I think like, um, and like, we don't, nothing. And, and like, I know like a lot of people get very like defensive when it comes to like change in comics to like, well, why, why does the, uh, like, why do we have to make Thor a lady? It's like, all right. But I mean, like, that's a good idea. Like, let's make Thor more interesting. But at the same time, we don't have to sacrifice american or like the superhero like paradigm in favor mm-hmm. of like in favor of a more diverse comic world because like i heard um like uh, i've heard rick Remender and rob liefeld say this is that um like people who walk into a comic book shop with like they they know they know what they're there to get it's like if you're if you're buying marvel dc comics like you know if if a new image book or like a, a book like spencer and Locke from action lab comes out Mm-hmm. Like you're not like, you know, you're, you're there for X-Men. You're there for like Superman, you know, like you're going to get those books like regardless. Yeah. We're like, we're, we're almost not even competing with like a Batman or a Superman title because like the people who buy those are like, they're, they're very like, okay, these are the books I'm reading. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like the people that are going to pick up uh, Spencer and Locke are more like the people who are going to pick up like 
any image book or uh, people who like crime books like that th- that's our competition it's almost like a different um playing field and and i think that like a lot of people in comics especially in the marketing like it just hasn't crossed their mind that that is the case like to them it's just like look this person has money and they're either going to give it to us or they're not so we have to do whatever we can to make sure that we get all of the money so that's why we're going to have 18 spider-man books that all don't need to exist but yeah. if you like Spider-Man and you've got 20 bucks, you're going to spend it on that. But what they're not thinking is like, you know what? These people, this girl likes Spider-Gwen. She's probably not super interested in like the Scarlet Spider. Mm-hmm. She's probably just going to pick up Spider-Gwen because that's her that's her book. And I, I understand like Marvel and DC, like they, they compete against each other. But like, I, I think that like, um, like a, a competition will thrive when there's more... Uh, like there, there's more fairness in it. And like, when you have like, like if like, like again, if I can get my mom into a comic book shop, that's a good thing. Yeah. Like, well, I'm sorry. And I think it, it goes back to the discussion we were having before as well, in terms of like, you know, all the stories coming out of Marvel and DC tend to be these act two storylines. People want to read interesting stories. And even if they are a Superman fan or a Batman fan or an X-Men fan, if the stories that those titles are telling are not very good then they're going to tune out as well right so they're not going to be invested and you might find some of the more independent comics doing much more interesting things so i think even what the big uh studios are doing you know we already had marvel come out and say that sales are down because of diversity and stuff but it's more because their stories are not so good you know um, yeah. They have these massive crossover events. They try to generate all this buzz to try to get more readers in. But at the end of the day, people are not interested because nothing no. ever changes. Whereas we want to see growth. We want to see stories that actually resonate. Um, and <clears throat> if if that's available from the independent channel, then so be it, I think. Well, cause, yeah, because like in the end, like it's, it's it almost is like survival of the fittest. And mm-hmm. I mean, like it, it's super easy to for them to say like uh, and like, I guess, like, I don't know. I, I know I didn't read that article thing because I was like, eh, I don't really care. But like because um, <laughs> like, yeah, like, they were saying um, that these diverse books were not really lighting the world on fire. And it was just sort of because like you're really doing anything different, especially like when it comes to like when I think about the last couple of um of like Marvel events that I, that I was aware of, like mm-hmm. the last one that was actually unique was fear itself. Like fear itself was the last one where like they invented a whole bunch of new characters. There was mm-hmm. a new threat. It was a look at like the political landscape, like in America, but like through like the, the lens of superheroes, like, yep. Oh, like are we giving in to fear? Are we giving in to terrorists? Like in a sense, mm-hmm. But then since then it's been like oh okay Avengers versus X Men yeah and then yeah. It was, um like then they did like the, the they did Civil War two and then they did the like um the Secret War two like it, it just and then like it's now is just like the the Clone Saga two like yeah it, it just feels like all of the creative juices have like been tapped already it's like it feels like they're doing the recycling yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it, it's like having like a slab of meat and like a Mike Tyson grill, or not Mike Tyson, a George <laughs> George Foreman George Foreman grill. Yeah, <laughs> I got my. You know, there should be there should be a Mike Tyson grill. Like you put the meat in, and then like um, you put the meat in, you put the lid down, and then when you pull it up, it looks like someone took a bite out of it. <laughs> the Mike Tyson That's great. Grill. But like um, yeah, and like it's it's sort of like oh, it, dr- it drains the fat out of it. But like if you 
do that for too long and eventually there's nothing left to drain and you're just like you're it's a piece of cardboard. This. Yeah. Yeah. And like I I feel like it's it's getting to that point now where they're like, okay, um, and like usually you see this like with uh with and, and like I understand it because I mean how many of their like their writers are like, you know, they're going to to image and they're going to these other companies in order to like to tell the stories that they want to tell because I mean in the end, like, you know, if you're a writer, you want to tell stories that matter. And like sure, like, you know, these are fun. Like, you know, superheroes are, are fun and everything, but like, you know, if you had the chance to to write, you know, the story of like uh what's it of of uncanny X Force, mm-hmm. but you could do you know, like low, or you could do, uh, you know, anything or like, uh, what's it called? Um, seven to eternity. Yeah. Like, you know, like uh, that book I'm really enjoying. Like at first I, I, I didn't know what to make of it, but then like, mm-hmm. uh, w- when I was, li- I was listening to, a, uh, an interview with Rick Remender and he was saying that, um, the, the, they were trying to sort of tell a story that was like the Yodorovsky comics and stories. And like um, like the you know like the Mobius like uh Yodorowsky, like the oh, just yeah. like yeah like just sort of like these just like we're gonna throw you into a world and we're not gonna try to explain any of it but you should like just like but watch watch this cool stuff happen and you'll mm-hmm. you'll be enthralled with this world that exists and like at first I didn't I didn't get it but then once I had like that context I was like oh okay like because I I was I, it's like I was at a Chinese food restaurant and I was wondering why it was why it wasn't tacos you know like that kind of thing. <laughs> Like, yeah. Once I once I knew what I was looking for, I was like, oh, okay, I can I can I can get into this. So mm-hmm. like now it's like, oh yeah, like th- that that is exciting to me. But like with, I don't know, like I, I would rather I'd rather do cre- like if I could do creator own comics and survive, like I w- I think I'd rather do creator own comics because at least then like I can I can tell I can tell a story I can tell it my way and I don't have to worry about. Um, Cause like, I think about this too, like, like, I, so I, I don't know the, the comic political landscape of like certain events, but I mean, like, like I was like, so ba- Batman and Robin, perfect example. They mm-hmm. killed, like they, they, they killed Robin after like, I don't know how many issues of like Batman and Robin they yeah. had been doing. Like it wasn't, it wasn't for very long. I almost it was like it 20, was, I think 23 was the one where he was already dead. So I think maybe like 20 issues. Yeah, 20 to like, 22 issues. Yeah, like I'm trying to remember which um which tr- which book it was like of like trade paperback wise because I know the first two were them doing normal stuff and then the third one was like the Joker, the return of the Joker stuff and then I think after that uh they did like a few issues of a thing and then he was de- and then he was dead. I don't I don't know how to how it worked politically at like the the dc like batman offices but like you know if you're a writer and you're like oh this is my book we're writing the batman and robin series and then like a year like a year into it somebody starts a new batman series batman incorporated which wasn't one of the original like 52 books Mm -hmm. and then they kill off a character that was like instrumental to your book what are you supposed to do now like i feel like the problem like uh, and that was part of the reason why i stopped reading batman and robin was that after that i sort of felt like the writers didn't know like the writer had like no idea what he was supposed to do with robin gone because like it was this um in every issue he was meeting a new member of the bat family like who was like trying to like help batman cope but it wasn't Mm -hmm. working 
And then he he was meeting with like every member of the Justice League. Like, oh, this is the episode where he he meets up with Frankenstein, and he's like, oh, maybe Frankenstein will teach me how to like bring a dead body back to life, so I can like cope with this death. And I was like, oh man, that's really rough. But then after like four or five issues of like Batman coping and nobody being able to grieve or like to like get through to him, it just it it became clear that like this must have like blindsided this team. Because like it was just sort of like like they like they were running and then all of a sudden like the ground dropped out from underneath them and then they were like struggling to get their feet again because like comics is a marathon it's not like a sprint but like when the ground you're like you're like okay we got smooth sailing like we're running we're running we're cool and then all of a sudden the like earthquake and now that like you have to navigate this like new landscape like how do you how do you deal with that like I feel like I I wonder if it was the same way with um. With like the uh, and 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 I guess like to an extent like there's no way it was just like cutting people like 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 even the the writers must have known that this stuff was going to happen. But I mean like imagine you you were working at Marvel and you were in the X Men office and then in in an Avengers book all the X Men are are uh, depowered. What what are you writing about now? Mm-hmm. You know, like and like because uh, I've heard stories like especially like Rick Remender was talking about how. When he worked on uh, the Atom, he was saying that like uh, they, they they took his ideas that he wanted to do for the book and they told him he couldn't do them. So they used his ideas in another book. And there was like um, they they kept trying to tell him, OK, here, like here, you, you have to do something with this character because they're left over from the previous writer. So you need to do something with them before your story can begin. And then like he he was like trying so hard to sort of like, I guess, like plug the hole in the sinking mm-hmm. ship. And then by yeah. like by the end of the third issue or so, he knew that they were canceled. So it was like, well, what what was the point of all this? Like, I don't. Um, I never actually got to do my story, right? Yeah, you know, and like like Rick Remender on on the the Atom, the Mighty Atom, like that could be really cool. Uh, I was going to use like another. I was going to quote somebody else in a thing, but like, um, it just it it feels like yeah, it was Matt Fraction. He was saying um, superhero comics are almost like uh, committee comics. Mm-hmm. You know, like, cause you, you like, there's so many people who they're the ones who have the say on, on what's going to happen. Like, you, you know, as, as much as they're like, there's a writer like, oh, he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to kill Thor. There's going to be a Thor movie next year. So Thor can't be dead for long kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, like, and the, the committee is the one who gets like the, the final say, cause in the end, they're, they're the ones who probably have like the monetary, uh, say in it. And I understand that. It, but it's more mm-hmm. just like it's it, I don't know. It would be really disheartening because like I do have stories like uh, there. I have a I have a story that I want to do for D.C. about the Justice League, but I want to build it my way. And there's mm-hmm. no way that they would ever let me do it because I would need my own earth. Like I would yeah. need my own. I would need my my own earth to start things and like essentially have it be like curated by me because like I, I would like, OK, here here's where uh, here's how Batman starts. And like, here's where Superman starts and like, here's how they're different. And here's where they're like, they're, um, they're running. Cause like the, I think the biggest problem, like in Batman versus Superman, is just that like, I'm so sorry, I have to interrupt you, but I just looked at the clock and I, I I really need to go because I have to get up in like, uh, four hours from now on. I'm I'm, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh no, it's me. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's, it's perfectly fine. It's just, it's 3am in here and I have to get to work. I have to be at work in at eight. 
I'm sorry. No, worries. no, no, I, no I, it's cool. No, I'm man, sorry. we can talk to you all night. Clearly, no, um, it's it's, it's an am, it's amazing. It's amazing because yeah. you could get your owner really at DC would. at the moment with with the omnibus yeah. they published with the multiversity <laughs> thing. That that's all possible. It's all in the in in the ballpark yeah. again. Yeah, D DC, call me. I have ideas. Yeah, like well, if, they could, if you that's how. That. That's how Watchmen started out, right? Yeah. So, you know, it was a riff Child on the Justice League. So you can, you can always create your own universe. Ah, yeah, I could do it. It'll be the yeah. Georgia. It'll be it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there'll be an issue where I get beaten to death by Josh. That's got to be the cover art for this episode of uh, <laughs> of the podcast. Um, but oh, yeah, George, it's been, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been, been an amazing. Pleasure. And yeah. I think you know we can we can definitely feel the stupid passion just oozing through the through the um, through the speakers right now. So it's yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Asteroids in Exile. Uh, you'll find links to Holger's web presences as well as further information about everything that has been mentioned in this episode at our blog at asteroidsinexile.com and the show notes for this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so via email at asteroidsinexile at gmail.com or on Twitter under the handle asteroidsin or on Instagram at asteroidsinexile. If you like this episode, please consider leaving a rating and or a review on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. Take care and you'll hear from us.